Well, here is Tasha Carradine sitting in for Alex Pearson. Counterpoint is brought to you by Pizzaville. Go to pizzaville.ca or call them 416-736-3636. Get your Canada Day pizza. It's Canada, happy Canada Day, early Canada Day, I guess. Anthony, Anthony Fury's in studio with me, SunPost Media columnist, national comment editor. I'm just saying, you've got big plans for Canada Day? Uh, you know, going to take it easy. I like going to the East York Canada Day. It's a, it's a chill, lovely community experience, but uh, always a good time. Okay, well, that sounds fun. Bob Richardson, Senior Counsel at National Public Relations, is on the line. Are you already at the cottage, Bob? No, no, but uh, just getting all comfortable, and I'll be out on Canada Day. And I think I'm going to drop by Mitzi Hunter's party on, oh. uh, on the Queen's Park lawn. How did I know that you were going to reference that? Yes, it's going to be free, in quotes, free ice cream. Is the Liberal Party paying for the free ice cream? I have no idea who is, but I think it's a grand idea. I see. Well, all right. <laughs> Um, I'm sure you guys will wave at each other across the city. Uh, we're going to start, though, over um, at the G20 uh, over in Japan because uh, the tensions, of course, between China and Canada spilling over there. An interesting little photo shot of the prime minister sitting beside uh, Chinese uh, premier or prime minister, rather, and neither of them really speaking. Apparently, there was no interpreter, but still. Uh, Contrary to that image, an outgoing Chinese ambassador, the outgoing Chinese ambassador to Canada, uh, Lu Shea, said that apparently tensions are only temporary, Anthony. Um, are you optimistic that Canada's re- uh, relationship with China will be repaired, and if so, by this prime minister or who? Well, I, I think what he means by that comment is that they have every reason to believe they're going to get what they want out of us. Uh, and obviously, we can go back to having a a great relationship, moving towards expanding uh, trade deals on their terms, uh, doing all these other deals on their terms. And it, it really disappoints me that one of the people who seems to be a prime suspect in giving China this impression is former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien. I don't like saying that because I, I generally have respect for the guy and, and like to speak respectfully of the record. It's like how we all had to speak ill of Michael Wernick for his shenanigans. I, I don't feel it's appropriate to speak ill of a public servant. Mm-hmm. Michael Wernick forced us to. I'm really disappointed to see this in Jean Chrétien. I mean, who knew that he would be the person uh, caving on these sorts of issues more than Justin Trudeau? So it seems like that's what's brought us here, and that's probably what Luchet is talking about here, and and we just can't do it. And the pressure is really on for Justin Trudeau right now, and I think, I, I really hope the odds of him actually just releasing her uh, from these extradition proceedings have decreased uh, more and more because the world is watching Trudeau, but you never know. Okay, Bob, over to you. Jean Chrétien, former Liberal Prime Minister, has been uh, saying, hey, just uh, let her go, really. Why are you leaving her there? Uh, Is he in the wrong here, as Anthony says? Well, number one, this has been just about 100% speculation, if I'm not not, uh, mistaken. Uh, I haven't seen any public statements by Mr. Chrétien, and I haven't seen any public statements by any of his uh, key associates who usually would do these things. So before we get too far down the field, we might actually want to get some uh, verified news here uh, on on this whole issue. So that would be sort of point number one that I would make. Yeah, well, I just I want to stop you there for a second because uh, according to um, Bruce Hartley, uh, told CBC News that the Prime Minister asked Mr. Crenshaw he'd go to China to serve Canada, bring the Canadians home. Yeah, and, I mean, he never, he's waiting into this. But but he, I'm sorry, that is entirely different than what Anthony just said and then what you're talking about. Those are two different things. He has not publicly commented once yet on on uh, basically saying that we should give up uh, 
uh, the woman that is in custody so that we could get the two people back. Bob, we're all putting, pretty talented at reading between the lines here, the three of us. I, I'm, just, I'm, just putting, I'm just putting that out there as a fact. I think we're getting a little bit of the cart before the horse here. That being said, I thought the statement by the outgoing Chinese ambassador, who's been by and large outrageous, was somewhat encouraging. Uh, I think the, the uh, actions of the Chinese president, I saw the clip on TV, is encouraging. The Chinese play the long ball and the long game, so I would not anticipate any major action in the short term. Uh, but uh, hopefully uh, there's an opportunity here to put some sustained pressure on them and uh, see if we can get this done uh, without giving them Well, what away. does that pressure look like, though, Bob? Because right now the pressure's all been them putting it on us. Well, the, the pressure has been on us, and we've been a bit in the meat and the sandwich, and hopefully the actions of the American president uh, can be helpful to us because we've been paying a price for this. Did I just uh, hear you say you're, you're, you're happy Donald Trump is, is uh, helping well, Canada I, on this one? Because I, I actually am, too. Um, yeah, he's not my favorite I, I think, guy, but yeah, I'm surprised coming I from am. you, Bob. No, I, I, I look, when uh, if, if it's helpful to us, if it's helpful to uh, get these two... Uh, Two people out of illegal incarceration. I think it's. Uh, I think it would be worthwhile. But I think we shouldn't just. Uh, I think we just need to all pause a little bit here. I think we're getting a little far down the track. Okay. Well, someone else who feels the track might be uh, maybe running out. I don't know. Um, Doug Ford's had a really bad week, Anthony, uh, from all the appointments that are now under scrutiny. People quitting. Dean French quitting. Uh, and uh, the sense, I guess, that the wheels are coming off the bus here. How does he put them back on? Well, it's very difficult. He has to reestablish trust. And I don't mean with with the media that don't particularly like him in any way, the voters who didn't vote for him in the first place. I mean, obviously, he should try and you know represent all the people. But I mean, he has to reestablish trust with his voters, with the donors, with the people who knocked on doors for him, with his own caucus, with his mm-hmm. own cabinet. There are a lot of people who are very disappointed. A lot of ministers who they go, if a document comes by my desk to sign it, I'm going to actually have to read the fine print as if I'm, you know, signing a new cell phone contract and I don't trust what they're signing me to because there's been some issues with a lot of these appointments and everything, and then they're they're really frustrated about, about by this. And they know, and I've heard a number of people in caucus say, this is the classic thing, all these nepotism appointments, that makes people so cynical about politics, that brings the voter turnout rates low down. So I think Doug Fort has to show that 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 he's a taskmaster here, that he's actually looking over everything that passes over his desk and all those things he campaigned on. Oh, we're, we're cleaning up this and that in Ontario. Well, you've just brought a whole bunch of new this and that there as well. So all those things he said about Kathleen Wynne, I mean, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss kind of thing. And, and in some respects, even worse. So it's very disappointing. He has to do the hard work. And it's 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 like when any relationship is frayed, it, it actually just takes time too. Okay. time to not do this again. Well, he's got three years, Bob. Is that enough? To make people forget well, this or fix this? Yeah, he does. But um, I've been an observer of Ontario politics for 35 years. This is the worst performance by a new government in their first year, including the Bob Ray administration, that I have seen. These guys constantly undersell uh, uh, and uh, or uh, underproduce and oversell. They lie about things like autism and the deficit and back themselves into corners. They exaggerate constantly, which is embarrassing. We're the best government this. We've done the most legislative that. Um, And this guy plays politics 100% of the time. Uh, He needs to cool the partisanship, and he needs to learn how to govern. There's lots of opportunity for him to change the channel. Three or four of the things he's doing are not wrong. He's got eight or ten decent cabinet ministers, but they've got to stop 
running, you know, the premier's office like it's the set of Green Acres. It's just <laughs> embarrassing. And they need to get their act together. And if they can do that, they can probably bring some stability to the government. But his problem isn't the likes of me and liberals or new Democrats. His problem over the next 12 months is I don't think conservatives are going to put up with his nonsense much longer. So they really need to get their act together or they may find themselves. He may be uh, at the coffee shop in Etobicoke with Dean. Soon enough. I, you know, I, I agree. And, and, you know, Tasha, I mean, you and I, we've attended the conferences, the, the think tanks, all that sort of stuff in the in the center-right kind of uh, universe. Uh, yeah, broader yeah. universe for years. And for, for 10, 15 years, people have been saying in that community, all right, let us add Ontario. We want to shot it. We've got this idea and that idea, and we're ready, and we want to get to work. Really, none, none of that stuff from that brain trust is, is being attempted here. You know, the reform of government and all of that. And it's mm-hmm. incredibly disappointing. I mean, Doug Ford, with a majority, four years, this should be like the second coming. And instead, it seems like a, a wasted opportunity right now. Well, it's, it's very disappointing. I'm just going to read the lead tweet uh, for today uh, from Doug Ford. Happy Canada Day weekend. Start your weekend off fishing for free with friends and family. You don't need a license to fish from June 29th to July 7th. I'm sure the fish are terrified right now. But, you know, Bob, it just goes to the whole point. I, I look at this, and if things weren't going sideways, maybe it's okay. But after all the emphasis on beer, and it seems to be like he's he d- cannot see the forest for the trees, the little trees that he thinks are important, and the forest is burning down. Yeah, no, I, I think there's no question. I think he doesn't really know why he wants to be Premier of Ontario. I think he wanted to be leader of the party. He wanted to win the election. But he's he's not a guy that sat there and said, you know, there are four things I want to get done over the next eight years. And there doesn't seem to be any plan. He's got a summer to be able to do that. He needs to calm his caucus down. He needs to put together a legislative agenda. And he needs to come back fresh in the fall. And he needs to turn down the super uber too high partisan, constant partisan uh, uh, statements and activities, which, quite frankly, Ontarians are appalled by. Here's Tasha Carradine sitting in for Alex Pearson. Maybe she's off enjoying a pizza somewhere. Counterpoint, of course, is brought to you by Pizzaville. Go to pizzaville.ca or call 416-736-3636. All right, uh, we're now going to talk a bit more politics here because a big ruling came down today from the Ontario court of appeal is said in a split decision uh the federal parliament has jurisdiction to legislate in relation to matters of national concern and that includes the carbon tax carbon tax price the carbon pricing system the federal government brought in is constitutionally sound has the critical purpose of fighting climate change and uh, i guess take that doug ford if you didn't have a bad enough week already uh anthony is this going to be the last word Do you think this case is going to get to the Supreme Court at this point, considering Saskatchewan's already not, their Court of Appeal knocked it out. I mean, should Doug Ford just stop? Well, they weren't unanimous decisions, and uh, so I, I think maybe an appeal makes sense in all of this. And and if they had just done the constitutional argument, because I've heard both, you know, I, I've heard liberal lawyers say, oh, I think we'll lose, and had conservative lawyers say, oh, I think we'll lose. So, like, n- not everybody is necessarily, it wasn't a slam dunk on the constitutional. They both acknowledge it could have gone either way. But the fact that some of these judges sort of rubber stamped it as yes because it is a climate emergency it's there for the federal government's prerogative to weigh on this whoa 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 what on earth is going on there i mean that is like a 
governing from the bench example there, and it kind of makes me want to say, okay, let's have elected judges. I mean, I don't believe that, but this is a this is a pretty big case. That's for a whole that. other debate. So, but so it, it's it's rather disheartening actually to hear that these judges uh, went with that, and then the dissenting judge said, no, that's not what's going on here. It's not up to us to declare whether or not we have a climate emergency for policy. So I'm I'm rather disappointed that I know the CBC and the Liberal government say we have to use the phrase climate emergency, but uh, they're not in charge of judges. Okay, Bob, did the judiciary politicize this one, or did they make the right call? Well, number one, I think uh, our judiciary is very different than the U.S. The majority of the judges in these two cases were appointed by the Harper government. So I think that's an important thing to point point out there. This isn't a lot of people playing politics here. These are the, the People may have differing legal opinions, but that's what it is. It isn't a lot of politics that's being played. This is a big win for the federal government. would have been very embarrassing for them if they lost this decision. It, it will get, obviously, appealed to the Supreme Court. But it is an opportunity for us to sit back in Ontario and say, do we need to continue to waste $30 million dollars on a bogus ad campaign, and also harassing people who own gas uh, gas uh, pumps by putting stickers on their gas stations. Uh, you know, I think this is an opportunity to hit the pause button. It was a pretty clear. Uh, it was a pretty clear uh, ruling. I actually read it this afternoon, and uh, it was much clearer than uh, the ruling in Saskatchewan. So, you know, I think this is going nowhere at the Supreme Court if they hear it. Uh, I think, given the nature of the issue, they probably will. But this issue is over. The feds have jurisdiction here. Whether you like it or not, it's time to move on. And it would be nice instead of wasting the balance of the $30 million that the government is playing politics with, that we gave it to families who are dealing with autism or kids who are going back to university and college this fall. Look, just because you can do it, and you've been told you can do it, doesn't make it right. Why Why did Justin Trudeau put us in this position, where something where he doesn't have a clear mandate to do, which was obvious uh, would divide society, people strongly opposed to it, why did he do it in the first place, when there are a lot of voluntary mechanisms for all of this? So the ball is still in his court to answer why he created all of this mess and, and divided the country over this in the first place. I mean, I think he should do what he did with electoral reform and realize that the whole debate Bait caused damage to the country and to the federation and withdraw it well he does have strong support for this and we'll uh, we'll see you in october on this issue ah i knew it the election's coming it's not going to go away uh probably the supreme court won't decide by then whether it'll hear it or not so it'll still be a live issue yeah i, th- I think it's going to be heard december 5th the saskatchewan case mm-hmm. so i'm presuming that they'll probably you know bundle them all up together Right. Well, something else to watch. It'll definitely be a defining feature of the campaign. Uh, I want to talk Canada Day a bit here because um, I thought this article was interesting. A New Brunswick town, the town of Sussex, canceled its Canada Day parade over lack of interest. It only had five entries. I don't know how big this town is, but still. Um, it said it left us questioning a street closure and so on, so we opted to cancel it. And while they're having some uh, events in the community, um, they said that basically they think that because it's a long weekend, Anthony, people are just uh, going to spend time at the cottage and travel somewhere else and patriotism be damned. Uh, do you have a problem with that? Yes and no. I spent one Canada Day a number of years ago on Manitoulin Island, and it was a small town on Manitoulin Island, not one of the main main communities there. And I think the parade had three floats. Oh, and it was a damn was fine parade. <laughs> it was a fantastic parade. It was a great Canada Day celebration. So you know what? If you've just got you know two guys in a little red wagon, you've got yourself a Canada Day parade. Don't cancel it. 
get her done, make it happen. And, you know, Canada 150, I mean, that was such a big event for so many people. People do show up for Canada Day. So, I don't know. They should have just done it and seen what happened. Yeah, Bob, were they kind of Weasley to, to not have the parade? I mean... Uh, I think it's a little weak. I'm with Anthony on this one. I think sometimes some of the best parades are small, little rural parades. They're fun. They're cute. Uh, it's great. Families get to come out and... Uh, I think uh, the people of Sussex need to fire it up next year. <laughs> well, apparently they say uh, they will call for entrance next year. They hope to see it return in 2020. It doesn't say how many floats they'll need this time, Anthony, but uh, what do you think? I mean, can I maybe go out there and encourage You know what, them? my favorite, speaking of organic parades, two years ago at the Easter Canada Day, this is 2017, there were all the floats and the kids' parades. Doug Ford shows up, who's a private citizen at that time, not seeming to run for any office, and just parks his car and just kind of like gets in between two floats and just starts marching the East York Canada Day Parade right in the middle of it. Because yeah, we were standing by the side. He was a float. He just he was a out, you know, float I thought, himself. Oh, people like seeing him there. And I thought that was great. <laughs> so people are just running off of the streets and making themselves into floats. So there you go. Okay, Bob, what's the craziest float you've ever seen? We just have a Doug Ford float. I'll raise you that. What about you? <laughs> Well, we, I th- I, the one thing I will say is uh, I, I think people in Toronto get a pass if they don't come out in huge numbers. We just had the we just had the Raptors parade, we had the Pride parade, and then this uh, third up is Canada Day. So if a couple of people hang out and have beers on their uh, back <laughs> backyard uh, uh, porch, I, I think we can let them off this year. We're paraded out. All right, that's our segment for today. I want to thank you so much, Anthony Fury, SunPost media columnist and national comment editor, Bob Richardson, senior counsel at National Public Relations.